If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this week's episode of Damsels in the DMs. Acting is not a job, it's a hobby. And as soon as you start treating it like a job, now you're no longer having fun with it. Mm. You know, that's exactly what my dad said. Acting is a hobby, not a job. But I know he meant it in a different way, but I'm going to take his advice <laughs> as your advice and, and do, treat it as exactly that. <laughs> yeah, because like you can't, you can't take it seriously. And it's, 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 you always have to keep it fun and the fun comes first. And as soon as you turn it into a job, then pressures start seeping in from every other influence left right and center and it's just it it just takes away from again that access to the divine this message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals not psychiatrists or psychologists if you have a serious problem please seek professional help the national suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255 that's 1-800-273-8255 there's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. Uh-huh. What's the vibe? There's some damsels in the DM. Do you? Who are you? Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs. Yeah, we see them. Yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs. We don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Ash. And I'm Alejandro. And the two of us have not been on an episode since I don't even know when. It's been so long. It's been a crazy amount of time. Oh my God. How have you been? I don't remember what you look like. I don't remember anything about your life. Who are you? I know that my background has changed too. It's a whole mixture of changes going on. (laughs) What's new with you? How's it going? Well, last night I had a really hot piece of pizza and like the cheese was so hot that I feel like it ended up like burning the roof of my mouth near my teeth and like yeah. oh, it was so painful so all today i've been like careful not to eat like chewy thing crunchy things mm. that like it doesn't like mess with that part of the mouth have you ever had yeah. that happen? oh i hate i've had that happen and i hate that honestly that and um biting the, your cheek on accident <gasps> that is the worst oh my god but I feel like that's a symptom of like being hungry, right? Where it's like maybe we're so hungry that all of a sudden it's like we're just chewing so intensely and then like yeah. boom. 
Yeah, yeah, we're just not mindful. And my canines are so sharp. They're like dog teeth. Like like literally the back of my canines are so sharp that when I scratch or like bite into my cheek, it's the worst. Oh my god, so it's almost like you can pierce your own cheeks. That's yeah. Why. Yeah. Hey. Very I know. Cool. I mean, that's a skill I never thought I'd have, but <laughs> <laughs> if I if someone tries to attack me, I'll just bite them. <laughs> sounds like a legit self-defense tool. I would five thousand percent be down for that. That's um, dope. so I'm trying to think of what's new with me since I saw you. And honestly, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> you've just been trying to cruise along. Oh, I'm moving to Paris. Do we know this? What? Yeah. Amazing. Uh, well, I remember you were high, contemplating it a while ago, or like you spoke about yeah. it, but then it was like not set in stone. So that's exciting that you're making plans to like, move forward with it. I think this is the first time that I've announced it on the podcast, too. That's wild. Well, listeners, you heard it here first. You heard it here oh, first. Lauren's going to be so mad that she wasn't part of this conversation, even though she already knows what's happening. Oh, um, but you two catch up all the time, and I'm sure she hears all the amazing juicy yeah. details anyways. Agreed. Yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you personally. and That's so cool. Yeah. So I'm planning on heading out um, end of June. Damn. Damn. Oh, so are you going to keep the house here or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, so dope. So dope. I'm so excited for you. Yeah. We're oh just going to we're just going to see how it goes. I'm going to get a fully furnished apartment out there and see what happens. I got accepted into Cofron, which is that um amazing acting school in Paris. And so that's that's what's going to happen. What about representation? How how is that going to work out there? I talked to my modeling agent about this. Um like last week I just told her and she was sad, but also really happy for me. She was like, I knew this day was coming. And she was really, she's like, she's like my mom. Like she's a mother to me, like an American mom to me. Yeah. And she was like, I will try to find my uh, contacts in Paris for you. And I told her I was going to be in New York a lot because New York to Paris is super cheap and super um, accessible. So I was like, I'm going to be in New York a lot. Um, So she was like, you know what? I think I can represent you in New York. I get the breakdowns already. So you can just go with me, but New York. And then I'll fly to LA if I have any jobs or anything. Yeah. That's so exciting. I'm so happy for you. You know, thank you. I'm so excited. I'm going to be spending... nothing's really going to change that much because I feel like I'm going to be coming back to LA anyways. If anything's acting related, I'll be here. It's, you know, I feel like I'm still going to be in LA. It's a wonderful place to be. Speaking of representation, I actually was offered commercial representation. by I'm super excited. So exciting. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This place, this agency was one of the first to open an LGBTQ division. So it's a super big honor to be, you know, included in their roster. And I'm looking forward to opportunities to come. I mean, it seems like the fact that I'm bilingual is a really cool advantage. I mean, I got sent a request for an audition for a Carl's Jr. commercial in Spanish, oh, which wow. at first was like intimidating because I saw the information and I was like, oh, my God, what, what do I do? But then once I got into the swing of it, I was like, oh, no, this is fine. I can do this. This is yeah. great. So I love that. I'm excited. And then I'm doing... Well, I finished like a whole run of weekends of doing theater work between January and March, but... 
in April, I'm going to be in a musical. And that is so much fun. We had a rehearsal last week for um, the choreography of a go-go boy dancing scene that I'm going to be in. Oh, oh my God. It's so much. It's like a throwback to like 80s and 90s. So we're like voguing and doing all sorts of like sexy oh, moves. Fun. So it's so much fun to, you know, practice moving the body in that way. Yeah. Um, and like I'm, I don't, I mean, I know I can dance, um, but I, I, I'm not like a trained dancer. By right. Now. But to be able to like get in the swing of it, figure out the character through those movements, it's just, oh, it's a blast. It's How exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Question for you. Do you think you'd ever move to New York to pursue like plays and musicals? Oh, um, I mean, I love having the sun out here on the West yeah, Coast. And I feel like we're true. flowers. So it's like to have photosynthesis rejuvenate <laughs> my body, I'm totally down for that. But there's something about New York that is so electrifying. So to say that I wouldn't do it, I'm, I'm not going to say that. But um, yeah, I think yeah, if the opportunity is right, that would be amazing to be able yeah. to flex as as it'll flex on theater and like just go at it. I think that'd be dope. Because you've been on such a roll with theater and doing musicals and shows that I just see you rolling into New York and just hey. stage and with a bigger cast and you know. All right. Well, damn, from your mouth to the universe's ear. <laughs> We're manifesting, Ooh, baby. Right. <laughs> Speaking of manifesting and letting things happen organically and just flowing, I am so excited for our listeners to have this episode with Chavi de Guzman, the author, podcaster, and overall just like, and philanthropist too, because of yeah. the work that he's doing to support research behind helping those who experience difficulties with aneurysms. I mean, wow, what a force, truly. What a force and so inspiring. Mm -hmm. Like, man, he is the most casual human being to talk to, but like he's done, he does so much stuff. Like he is so much to him oh, that yeah. you can just talk to him. I could have, we could have talked to him for hours and hours and I would have been entertained. Like he just has so much experience, so much history, just like a full life that's been led. And he, I don't know how old he is, but he seems young and it's crazy because he has a full rich life full of like culture and art and just experiences. And moving like an octopus with tentacles all around. I mean, to act and then now making his recent segue into stand-up comedy. It's just, yeah. I love his fluidity of how he operates in life. It's, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. Well, I think we should get into it. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. We are with Chavi, who is joining us today. And we have so much to chat about. I have been very excited to talk to you, actually, because I saw something in your bio that I really clicked and connected with. So I'm very excited mm -hmm. to get to it. But first, can you tell us a little bit about you, your background, growing up Filipino with immigrant parents, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, born and raised in, in Toronto, Canada, and then got into the arts by way of fighting Muay Thai, went to Thailand, fought and trained in Thailand, and then came back to Canada and kind of, I don't know, I was, I was in kind of a little rough spot of, do I want to commit my life to the martial arts or do I want to pursue other avenues um, and explore, I guess, what 
more life had to offer. And that kind of led me into the world of stunts and through stunts, joining different casts on set and just seeing principal actors do their thing. It kind of pushed me in that direction of like, oh, I want to try what they're doing. I want to do what they're doing. So that was kind of what led me into the art form of acting as for the growing up with Filipino parents like that's that's a a much more loaded question in terms of because <laughs> yeah. like in in terms of the arts it was hard because the arts aren't really something that's encouraged to pursue professionally mm-hmm. it's great as a hobby but as as you know taking it seriously and putting time and effort into that it kind of goes against all of the Filipino teachings of getting a good education and things like that so that was rough um, having my eyes set on that. But personally, it was tough growing up because I grew up in a predominantly West Indian community. So I didn't really have that many Filipino influences in my life. So my my most, I wouldn't say fondest memory, but like the most prolific memory growing up was being in school and it's lunchtime and I pull out food that's like rice and whatever you know <laughs> saucy thing that was made the night before and of course it's it's super aromatic and so opening that up everybody in the classroom is like ew <laughs> and, and honestly it's like you know it's it that was the reaction because it was different they didn't know how to react to it um but I saw that as oh man it's I I can't have this. I'm not proud of it anymore because nobody, you know, in the class likes it. And growing up, that's all that matters is is what other people think, right? So that was tough trying to get over that hump. And yeah, so it was it was rough for me growing up as a Filipino, but hopefully I'm making my way back to my roots now. Honestly, that is so relatable because I'm of Indian descent too, and I grew up in Botswana and England. So there weren't that many Indians around me growing up and the same thing like I'd go to school with my curry and then I'd open it up and people would be like ew ew your food stinks what is that but it is because they don't know right and then I can also relate to your parents choosing the education over the arts we're both actors as well in the arts and it has been a long battle to get my parents on board so I'm very curious as to how your parents reacted and then also are they on board with your career what's going on with that and how did those conversations go um they're scared for sure but one thing that my mom's expressed is that when I when I do something I I commit to it so she has that kind of reassurance where as long as I put everything into it then I'll be fine and as long as I don't half-ass it, then she'll be okay with it to a oh, degree. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's, it's, it was tough because it's such a lucrative art form. And maybe I've never brought this up or had this conversation with her, but like maybe there is also that, that assumption that because she didn't grow up, seeing Filipino people on screen maybe she saw it as something that was you know more unattainable for people that looked like us Mm -hmm. but 
that's all it was, was just, it was rooted in fear. So there were a lot of arguments um, in the early stages of, of me pursuing acting, especially when I made choices to not go to the family parties because I want to study for an audition or something like that. And so it created a bit of a rift um, in the early phases of this, which I, I'm sure there were ways to go about it where I didn't have to kind of pull away from family, but I felt at the time, especially that was something I had to do was to take myself away from people that, you know, were kind of putting seeds of doubt in my mind at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That protection of the mind of the energy and how you use it is so important. And like little things like comments that people make or even, you know, body language or whatever, like that totally has an effect on how we proceed. I mean, 100% intentionally, but I mean, I'm sure on their part, it's not intentional and it may be out of fear, similar to what you were describing with your mom, where it's just mm-hmm. more of a desire to protect rather than diminish. But yeah. Yeah, that definitely has an effect on the light. But I'm curious, though, I mean, what took place or what was the shift that inspired you to write Peeled Fruit? Because that seems like such a uh, a love note to the love that you have for your family and your mom that like, you know, in spite of yeah. these things, I mean, it obviously, it sounds like you're understanding of her perspective, too. But yeah, what to, when was that shift happening? And listeners, uh, um, sorry, listeners who don't know what peeled fruit is, can you also just tell everyone? Uh, this is the a kids book that I wrote, Peeled Fruit, and it's it's about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. I guess what kind of inspired it? It's it's been a thought that's been on my mind for a while, especially since I moved out on my own and I started, I guess, emulating things that. I saw as a child so when I moved out and like I'd have friends over I'd be the one to peel fruit for them and then it was just a staple snack whenever people came to my house was like there was always fresh fruit and it'd always be a conversation where my friends would be like I've never had this at anybody's house except like my aunt's house or my mom's house it's like yeah it's it's, I don't know it's something that I feel comfortable doing when I'm around people that I love and over the quarantine, especially over the pandemic, where it just, it, you're just alone with your thoughts now. And it's, it's, I guess, trying to find ways to be creative. And, and in that, I kind of found a story that I wanted to tell of what, I guess, peeling fruit was like for me and how I noticed it and how it affected me growing up. And I originally wanted to do it in the form of a short film, but then because I know I knew that the audience that I wanted to target was for children, then I also made the pivot to maybe I'll try making a kid's book and see how that happens. And to be honest, it's like now that it's it's a thing, it can still be turned into a short film if that mm-hmm. opportunity does arise. Yeah. I know that's right. I would love to see an animated version of it. I got to see I know. Online, yeah. some images and reading about it. It's, hell yeah, it's really cool. It's beautiful. Thank and you. And also, I love 
fruit, like peeled fruit. Mango is my fucking favorite. (laughs) And that always reminds me of going back home and, you know, having mango being peeled from by your mom or dad or whoever. Um, So that's so cool. Can you show us the cover again, please? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) What was it like for like uh, deciding on who was going to publish it or did you self-publish? Self-published in in terms of figuring out who and and that whole process, it was just trial and error, just going to sending emails to people, seeing who they use, getting in touch with different authors and talking about who they used, why they chose self-publishing or why they chose to publish or, you know, how they went about writing their book and how long it took and things like that. And it just led me to... Yeah, this method that I went through, I went through a, a company called Book Baby. They're affiliated with bookshop.org and they have a whole bunch of different sister companies like Amazon and they're connected and affiliated through Walmart, Barnes and Nobles, things like that. So I thought they'd be a good bet. And um, they also had a really good hardcover option, which I really wanted to explore it being a kid's book as opposed to just going paperback. But I saw and there's an ebook version too, right? There's an ebook version as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And for that one, um, if you go, so another thing too that every creative endeavor that I try to pursue, I try to link it to a charity that I started. It's called the Play On Foundation, and that one deals with bringing awareness and trying to raise funds for brain aneurysm development and prevention. A friend of mine passed away, 2013, and I felt like I wasn't satisfied with um the doctor saying, oh, well, it could happen to anybody. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of bullshit. <laughs> Let's see, I can do something about it. So like for this, just like having opportunity, like right on the back, a little scribe of what the foundation is about and hopefully bring awareness to that where, yeah, everything I try to do creatively, I try to push in the direction of that charity as well. That's beautiful. I love your proactive energy and the altruistic motivations that you move with it's really try to i hope it's altruistic is it altruistic i'm I'm very say yeah i would say so but why are you questioning it what i mean (laughs) none of us have found its foundations and you know i mean i don't know alandra have you i have it (laughs) and to pursue or to try and help find answers for something so that's heavy i mean aneurysms that's uh, I mean, the impact that that has on people who are either able to make it through or not, it's just. It's yeah. Really yeah. Really and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, well, I think it is um, the research still isn't there quite there yet, but it's like to say it could happen to anybody, you know, I'm pretty sure there was a point where when it came to like cancer, cancer could have just happened to anybody, but it didn't start to get focused and until money started going towards it. Same thing with like stroke. Um, And ideally, like even to just bring awareness to the signs of an aneurysm can also help prevent mortality rate with that respect as well. Cause like before the nineties, before the early two thousands, we didn't have a heart and stroke foundation that was putting out PSAs for what a heart attack looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. Like just, just bringing that is, is a goal that I'm trying to strive for. Hopefully. Hell yeah. I'm also yeah. really curious about mm-hmm. 
this podcast that you have because at the beginning of every episode you have this intro about how you are in this mobile yes of a transformed home and then it's also how the the number two is so significant i want i want you to walk yeah. us through all of that that's i find it so fascinating um well that that was inspired through the pandemic where i gave up my place i bought a moving truck and i converted it into a tiny home because i miss traveling so i figured that would be an efficient way to just get to still see parts of the world part of parts of north america that i haven't been so I bought a moving truck, converted it, um, and just hit the road. And I felt like there was just so much to share when it came to the experience that I was going through. And I've been lucky enough to work with so many fantastic artists. And I thought I'd take that opportunity to catch up with them while being on the road as well. Um, with the significance to two degrees, that was just... Uh, that was serendipitous how that happened where when I was bringing the guests onto the show I'm bringing them two degrees closer to the guests that I'm bringing on when I'm or to the audience and when I built the truck I built the truck incorrectly so majority of the weight was on the passenger side of the truck so the truck tilted at two degrees <laughs> like that's I've never built you know, a, a home, let alone a home on the back of a truck bed. Um, so I didn't consider weight discrepancy at the, at the time. And then ideally, I wanted to be a snowbird. I was able to effectively skip out on two winters, just driving south when, you know, the weather in Canada got too cold. So head down to like LA, head down to Arizona and just enjoy the sun as much as I can. So I was, I was trying to escape two degree weather. So that was a, a triple entendre, if you will. Oh. The two degrees. <laughs> what do you so, think you've learned through um, having the opportunity to host these interesting conversations? My biggest lesson that I took away from it is what an artist is. Because when I first started the show, I introduced it and I, I separated entrepreneurs from artists. So I've had, I had the opportunity to bring on like neuro-linguistic programmers on there. I've had uh, stockbrokers, mortgage brokers, um, people who have like started their own businesses and things like that. And for some reason, I just separated that from what it meant to be an artist. But then after talking with them and hearing how intricate they they can explain what it is that they do. They've also broken down what they do to an art. So whether it's a business owner, if you're a business owner, then you're able to successfully navigate and juggle numbers and meetings and all this and, and have some kind of organizational skill when it comes to the chaos of running a business. That's an art in itself. And so being able to understand that kind of just opened up my scope when it came to what is art and yeah not limiting it to just the things that we see on like screen whether it's paintings or music or the typical art that we had growing up where everything is an art and I think everybody can can take advantage of of that and connect with what art is mm -hmm. because it's it's not 
it's not fair when you know somebody is starting a business and there's so much passion driven behind it and then to kind of separate them from what it means to be an artist because that's what they're tapping into where i personally believe that art is just a gateway to divinity if you will everybody has access to this divine power and you access it through art and that's why so commonly when you listen to music you'll hear music and it'll have a similar beat to something else um not necessarily it being a sample but it just reminds you of another song um as you guys know in acting too like there's so many films that have a similar storyline to something else yet none none of those films you know have anything in common where people just have the same ideas at the same time and it's because they're accessing this this greater power if you will that's right hell yeah yeah i read i don't know if you've read big magic i uh, haven't but um I, I know plenty of people who have and i've heard everything about it and i hear it's a great book yeah i think it was in that book where she wrote about ideas and how ideas come to my idea that i have for something if i don't grab onto it it will go on to someone else and it will pass on to someone else so 100%. i feel like that's kind of along the same lines as you know yeah. you're tapping into this as you call it like the divine and you can reach in and grab those ideas and i feel like once i heard that i was like damn that made me may way more motivated to like follow any idea that comes to my head that i think is a yeah. good so like solid like crazy idea even if it's crazy and things haven't worked out things have and i just think it's like really important to still like pursue that and listen to your mm -hmm. listen to your gut listen to your mind listen to your energy Oh, for sure. And it's like, and I think that's also something that describes an artist or defines an artist as a person who's willing to explore these ideas as lucrative as they might seem. But it's like, once you have this idea, what are you going to do with it? And an artist will do something with it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Going back to acting, because I feel like we like barely touched on it. But <laughs> How are you still acting now? Um, have you taken a step away from the uh, entertainment and or the acting film industry to pursue being a children's book author? Or are you still? No, no, no. Um, acting, acting is still very much um, alive. Um, I'm still represented, still have my agents in L.A. And but then it's just like. I'm, I'm at a point now where. I don't know how to say this without being, I don't know, sounding too pompous in a way, but it's the most direct way to say it is I'm, I'm confident to say I'm a good actor. Yeah. So I don't need to spend so much time breaking down a script or studying or stuff like that. Cause I've, I've been in conversations where, and <laughs> arguments with, with ex partners where they felt I wasn't taking the craft seriously because I didn't spend so much time on my audition. And it's mm. like, I don't, I don't need that much time anymore. It's just, I, I know my, I know my method. I know how I get things done and I have the credits to prove that what I'm doing is working. So there's nothing to say that I need to spend more time on it. Do I spend time? And like, that's also the other thing too, is like the way I analyze 
what acting is and how we study acting. It's just by going through life and just being aware of how you're experiencing life um, from how you're sitting down eating a meal to how you are you know, standing in public waiting for a friend to show up. It's like, are you aware of those moments? And those moments are key moments for yourself as an actor to just be aware and study your your instrument, your tool. Mm-hmm. And so acting will always be there. And it's like, I feel now I'm, I've kind of been given the grace and opportunity to not put so much energy towards it so I can put it towards other things now. I a thousand percent feel like everyone, every actor should do that. They should have something outside of acting that they're passionate about and dedicated to because that's, you need life experiences to be an actor. You can't just focus all on acting and spend all this time on acting because where are you going to pull from? So I feel like you're just working smart. That's just a smarter way to work. And then you focus on other creative endeavors, which is still adding to your, to your craft. 100%. Yeah. And it's like acting. I understand why actors hold so much gravity on, on this as a career and, and can kind of get lost in it. And it's because so much time is being put into it. And the skin that you build also turns into that double-edged sword because now you feel that there's some kind of now it feels like you owe something to yourself to take it so seriously because you've built such a tough skin Mm. and it's like that's the catch-22 of it it's like all right you have this tough skin guess what that means you're allowed to give yourself grace you don't need to take it so seriously now and it's that's when it becomes fun and it's like so many people treat this as as a career where and I use that word corporately where people give it the trajectory that you might have if you had a nine-to-five job where people still believe that okay you go from your actor role to your principal role to your supporting role to your lead role and then now that you have your lead role now you have some kind of power and say in what your next project is and it's like that's the furthest thing from the truth where you can go from your actor role to your principal role then your lead and then you're back to your actor role and it's like there's no there's no there is no trajectory there's no one definitive line and people lose themselves in that thought of like all right once I get this credit then doors will open and it's like no (laughs) nope that's why that's why acting should and I'll, I'll stamp this with whatever. And, and if people want to cancel me for this, but it's acting is not a job. It's a hobby. And as soon as you start treating it like a job, now you're no longer having fun with it. You know, that's exactly what my dad said. Acting is a hobby, not a job. But I know he meant it in a different way, but I'm going to take his advice <laughs> as your advice and, and do treat it as exactly that. <laughs> yeah, because like you can't you can't take it seriously. And it's 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 you always have to keep it fun and the fun comes first. And as soon as you turn it into a job, then pressures start seeping in from every other influence, left, right and center. And it's just it it just takes away from again that access to the divine where it's no longer 
just out of love now you're treating it as as something that you need to live when it's like you don't really need acting to live yeah sure you need art to live but it's like there are other forms of art you can go listen to music and you can watch a film you don't have to be in a film to enjoy the art Mm -hmm. and so yeah (laughs) how long have you been acting for I, I like to market from when I first joined the union, which was 2009. Oh, wow. So that yeah. was way before you demonstrated the gumption of revamping the, the, the moving van into a home. Oh, yeah. So where, oh, do yeah. Think, um, where do you think <laughs> that confidence came from? Was it from, you know, the encouragement from your mom of like, if you're going to pursue something, you do it? 100% or was there were there other influences that you think had an impact confidence of what of, as an actor you were talking about you know I don't need to prepare as much or um, I don't know there was a, a level of confidence that I sensed when you were talking about your preparation method um, that confidence came with not caring hmm. and as as you're familiar with the term where it's like you have to let it go you have to let it go And it's not until you actually can honestly say you're just going to let it go that you'll be okay with it. Like, for example, um, it's slow right now. It's very slow. And I honestly never noticed how slow it was until my friend brought it up. It's like, have you been going out for auditions lately? I was like, I had one. Like, is that unusual? And I was like, now that I think about it, yeah, that is unusual. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not, I'm not waiting for the email. I'm not waiting for the call of, oh, you have an audition now. And that's where the confidence comes from. It's because it's like that, uh, that coupled with the fact that I do have the credits as well as I still, I still need the reassurance from from select people and I get it so I'm not left thinking like oh man am I not getting work because I'm not good because like I'll get the feedback from casting I'll get the feedback from my manager and my agent saying this was a good tape and that's that's all I need to understand that I still have some (laughs) talent in this game okay so I feel like as just people of color in general but also how your mom said you didn't see any Filipino actors, you know, in the industry. How, how do you feel about the industry now with representation? And do you feel like it's hard as a Filipino actor to get work? It's, it's, it's such a tricky topic. And I'm going to try to, to say this as honestly as I can while still not I don't know I don't know how to come across this conversation and and kind of just like beat around the bush with it because it's yeah I don't I don't know who will get offended by it but it's like when I see when it comes to diversity especially when it comes to being Filipino when I first started especially there were Filipino was the furthest thing from Asian that anybody ever wanted. And we were the furthest thing from Spanish that anybody wanted. So we were the ambiguous people. And then it just, it just, 
got me to have this disdain where it's like I'm I'm never going to get anything and as soon as I got out of that mindset and kind of sank into the notion of just trying to be the best that I can be period because then I I when I first started doing interviews the common question that I would get would be like um what does it feel like you know being a, a good Filipino actor and I'm like I don't see myself as a, as a Filipino actor I just see myself as an actor right. and I, I I don't you know I don't just try to be a Filipino actor and if you see me as a good actor by default I'll be a good Filipino actor mm-hmm. and so I I try my best to just encourage people to just remember that talent will always shine first so in the midst of the ups and downs of acting and while you're producing more children's stories I'm sure wait side note are you writing another children's story I'm always coming up with ideas um what comes of those ideas I don't know um just like in in the past two weeks I've written two scripts so it's like what'll happen with them I don't know but um I do have concepts that would definitely be great for a children's book but we'll see yeah. well I'm just <laughs> curious you know uh how do you keep yourself balanced like what sort of healthy habits or routines at any time of the day whether it be morning noon and night that you implement to kind of keep yourself disciplined in check and in tune with intention and uh, so I'll be transparent with you guys I feel I feel like we're we're friends now I could but like so if if things are going great then to stay balanced I'll have my gym routine I'll have my meditation routine I'll do my my journaling and affirmations and I'll I'll spend time with myself and just just kind of remind myself to breathe and all, all, all the things that you hear in those self-help books that you should do, I, I have this routine down. And also just, I guess the most important part of that is just understanding my energy and how people access that energy so it doesn't drain me. If I get drained, I have to be honest with myself and pull myself away from whatever situation it is so I can maintain that level of, of my own peace but as of late, life has been crazy. And what I've been doing to kind of ground myself is I've been doing some stand-up comedy. So oh, wow. I've been hitting up open mics and other comedians see me and they book me on shows and I go up there and I just I just try to get some laughs from people. And that's been an interesting um, exploration of art as well and uh, a new a new venue, a new avenue of kind of just decompressing and really take my mind off the stresses of life. Are you in LA right now? I'm actually in Toronto right now. Okay. Oh, so you do it there. Damn, I was going to be like, let us know so we can go. Would love to. See yeah, no, yeah. no doubt. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, like by the end of the year, I can build up my repertoire here. And I have a few connects in LA that um, and I can jump on their mics. Do it. That's so yeah. dope. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Hell okay. Yeah. 
to this question, please tell us the funniest or wildest or intriguing, most intriguing or like the most inspiring DM you've gotten. I had one DM of, they were a fan of the 100 and they they said that they loved they loved what I did with the character and then they were like so I don't have that many people that I talk to and I'm happy that I'm speaking with you now and I was wondering if I could pay you to talk to you weekly it's <laughs> like that's that's interesting Whoa. yeah so that was that was an interesting moment um did you say never yeah? heard from them after that because oh. <laughs> <laughs> like i was i was intrigued by it and i was like someone played a prank on me let's see how far this person is gonna <laughs> take this um most inspiring i would have to say um when it comes to again being filipino and being a uh person that people are looking to when it comes to the arts as a source of inspiration which is funny like seeing getting those messages where people are like wow you're inspiring like cool <laughs> thanks i don't know uh <laughs> i still that's that's also another thing with me is i don't know how to take compliments so it's ah. like you're, you're inspiring and it's like oh thanks <laughs> um cool but, <laughs> I know. but um when when people of color message me and they're like seeing you do it gives me you know a little bit of hope that i i can also do it and it's like that's really cool because that was a big thing with me where i was lucky enough to have somebody that I could message and ask about this industry and he's like he was the reason and another Filipino actor too where it's like he was the reason where it's just you can do this if you do these steps and just focus on this and it's like hearing that from somebody that you grew up around that you went to high school with is so much more relatable than it's like you know seeing George Clooney talk or Denzel talk on a red carpet interview and it's like yeah you can do it too and it's like well I don't know you I don't know what you went through right so it's yeah. like when it's more relatable and people can like see that side of you and and know that side of you and kind of emulate that because they also went through similar things in life then that's also been something that always puts a smile on my face whenever that comes around hell yeah Speaking of inspiring, yeah. Alejandro, do you want to ask the DM of the week? Yes, the DM <laughs> of this week asks, who is the most inspiring person in your life and why? Uh, that's tough because, like, there's so many three people. if you want. Because, like, even when it comes to just acting itself, I have, like, nine. Oh, <laughs> yeah, nice. That's a specific number. Because, like, yeah, because it's, like, I, I look at it from so many different perspectives where my favorite ones in acting are Mandy Patinkin and Ashton Kutcher because they do, I love the, fil the philanthropic work that they do where Mandy Patinkin focuses on refugees, Ashton Kutcher focuses on um, ending women trafficking. And it's just incredible to use that stardom that you have and, and you know, 
that's why I started the charity where it's like, I'm, that's my goal is to have people see me on TV and then whether they see me on like a red carpet interview or they go to my Instagram and they see a link to the charity and it's like, I'm, I'm doing my, my job in that sense. And then it's like, you look at Tom Cruise or Patrick Swayze. And it's like, these guys are, are actors, actors, everybody, when they work with them, they take away something from these guys. And that's just incredible. And then you look at Meryl Streep or Audrey Hepburn. They're just, I don't, I don't think that they can do any wrong. You know what I mean? And then you look at Denzel Washington, Benicio Del Toro, Antonio Banderas, like they do so much for diversity and just following along their stories. And then like going outside of acting, like I, I can't help but go to like Kobe Bryant where his mentality when it comes to work and he was also another person that kind of helped change my perspective on what art is because people, still haven't there's there's still a large chunk of people who don't think of sports as art and it's like you look at players like kobe and they take this game to an art and that's why they're so good at it mm -hmm. and then it's like in my own life um alex malari jr another filipino actor that's the guy who i went to high school with who gave me all the tips on how to get into it and stuff like that he is he's definitely a beacon when it comes to just being able to not be a a victim of your circumstances because the neighborhood that we grew up in isn't the best neighborhood you know what I mean and then going down to like this book now where it's like my parents my parents are such a huge inspiration because of what they went through and the opportunities that they gave me that I wish I had half the amount of respect that I had than when I was a kid because I was a I was a brat as a kid and I feel so bad for it and it's because and all they did was give me the best life and I just didn't appreciate it and I was such a jerk but it's like I had this thought the other day where I looked in the mirror and life is just stress every which way and I looked in the mirror and it also could have been the shrooms talking <laughs> <laughs> but like my dad I'm my dad's age when he had me mm. he came here and and my brother's already four years old at this time and he had me and he's navigating life on a new country um just trying and it's like he's, he's literally working factory jobs to you know just keep food on the table to pay the mortgage and 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 it's just crazy to think what he gave up or what he had to give up because I'm sure he didn't want to leave the Philippines and he was just forced when when my grandfather was like hey we're going to the other side of the world like I'm pretty sure there was something that would have held him back and he would have stayed if he wanted to but like for him to and I'm thankful for like movies like everything everywhere all at once and turning red where these films kind of showed me that they're just trying their best and I think that's something that as a second generation here in North America need to 
sit down with that idea a bit more just to realize that our immigrant parents were just doing their best. And it's like, what more can you ask from somebody that's just doing their best? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's such a, I don't know, a selfish thing to say that it's not good enough for you. And that's how I felt when I was a kid was like, especially when I went back to the Philippines, I was like, I just want to, I just want to play with my Game Boy. I just want to, why am I here? And it's like, they're trying to introduce me to culture and all this stuff. And it's like, this is gross. I don't want to be here. Such a little dick. Oh, but like, (laughs) just understanding that they just did their best. And that's something that I could never be any more grateful for. That's really sweet. And you're not the only one who was a dick to their parents and so ungrateful to, you know what I mean? You know, right. motherhood or motherland trips. Like I used to go to India and be like, "Ew, this is disgusting. Like, why are we here? This is so gross. Everyone is so gross." So I was like, I don't know when that switched. Probably when I turned like when I was out of college. Like I was a late bloomer when it came to appreciating my culture. And then now I want to go to India. Like I want to go see family and eat the food and wear the outfits and, you know, see how people just, they're having so much fun out there. I want to have fun too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. It's, it's such a, such a culture shock too, especially when you go back when you're younger, but it's like, and, but then that's the thing is like, I just, if I had more appreciation for it, I feel like I would have brought back so much more fond memories and I, there'd be something else that I can tap into that I I can't at the moment until I, I get to experience it to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. Never too late. We're still young. Yeah, no, for sure. I totally, I totally get that. And the Philippines so, is still there. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Well, while we wait in anticipation for more written work from you, uh, can you share with our listeners where we can stay updated uh, on all things that you're doing, as well as where we can find the podcast? Yeah, I guess first and foremost, Instagram um, at xdegoos, and then or you can go on Spotify to check out that podcast. The Play On Foundation presents the Two Degrees podcast. Um, You can check out www.letsplayon.org to find out more information on the Play On Foundation and how you can become part of helping raise funds and bring awareness for brain aneurysm development and prevention and follow at Peeled Fruit Book to find out more information about how to get that and to stay up to date when we have sales. Yay! Thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, this was such a pleasure to have you and to chat with you and you're just so relatable, so it's really nice to have that. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. Well, that was fantastic. I had such a blast. He is really dope. I mean, oh my God. I was really expecting the whole list of his nine inspirational figures to continue, but I still, I feel like with the few that he did select to highlight, I mean, in addition to everything else he was talking about, I, I love the gumption that he moves in life with it's really he's dope he's really cool i agree well listeners please as always rate review like subscribe send us your dms your messages your love that's it send us some wild questions too we're always looking for a wild dm of the week to share with our guests and we like a curveball or two every once in a while, so do not hesitate. We are always waiting. Well, this has been a time. I love it as always. So, 
until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. DMs, DMs. We don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.